Colossians chapter 4. going to read verses 2 to 6. Verse 1 is really, I think, a continuation from chapter 3. So I'm going to pick up in verse 2. Continue in prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, to speak the mystery of Christ, which I'm also in bonds. That I may make manifest, make it manifest as I ought to speak, Walk in wisdom to them without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with, with, always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So, tie of this practical prayer ministry, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray that you encourage us and challenge us tonight as we consider the subject of prayer. And, Lord, that we would truly um, be people that would seek your face and um, seek your wisdom and your grace and uh, everything that we need in life. So, Father, just help us, encourage us, challenge us where we need challenge. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was D.L. Moody, of course, he was a fundamentalist. D.L. Moody said, you know, they, they say some good things too. But D.L. Moody said, uh, every movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, even if you read through the Old Testament scriptures, a lot of the great things that happened that, that God did for the children of Israel were related to prayer. You know, think about it. Even the preservation of the Jewish nation. Moses stood between them and God, interceding for them. Um, so, so think about you know the power of prayer and, 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 our, and the privilege that we have. Um, there's a couple of things I'm going to look at tonight from this passage. First of all, it says continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Um the word continue means to be steadfast in, to persevere. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I know that I'm human. And I know that you are all human, too. But maybe you're more spiritual than I, but, than I. But sometimes, sometimes you get discouraged and you feel like, what's the use? I mean, you ever feel that way? Join the club. Uh, what's the use? And sometimes you feel like that about prayer, sometimes. But the Bible tells us that we're to be, Paul tells us here at the Church of Colossae, that we're to continue in prayer, we're to be steadfast, and that we're to persevere. You know, pers- to persevere speaks of endurance. Um, you know, when I think of persevere, and I think of trying to run the, uh, the two-mile race and the president's physical fitness test, thanks to Ronald Reagan, that they issued in the public school back in the, in the uh, 70s, which every student was supposed to finish. I finished it by walking. 
Um, that was persevering. I did finish it. There were people after me, and there were a lot of people before me. But um, anyway, that was persevering. You persevere, you endure to the end. No, God wants us to persevere, to continue in, to be steadfast in prayer. Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not faint. Um, you know, it gives me the idea of Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel Lord, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. In other words, he hung on for dear life. He was not letting the Lord go until he got a blessing from the Lord. Uh, in James 5, speaking of Elijah, it talks about the, the uh, uh, effectual fervent prayer. And the word uh, fervent there, again, has the idea of wrestling. Sort of like the word uh, of, of contending for the faith. The idea, again, of wrestling, earnestly contending. The word earnestly has the idea of wrestling there. So, so we are to persevere in prayer. The early church, the first church, was a prayer-oriented church. And they, said, they saw God do a lot of great things. And you think about it, if you go through the book of Acts, starting in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So, you know, they waited. You know, Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem. And so they spent that time in one accord in prayer and supplication, beseeching God uh, for wisdom and direction and for their needs. Uh, in in uh, chapter 2 and verse 42, of course, after the day of Pentecost, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Um, and when persecution arose in chapter 4, Verses 23 to 31, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company, reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which made, hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by thy mouth and thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant thy service that with servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When they had a, a serious decision about choosing deacons in the first church, um, they said they need to appoint men over this business, but the, the pastoral staff said, we need to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Bobby Mitchell every once in a while sends out these things. Usually, it's usually it's a it's a text, and it's his own study. He sent out a commentary, a little short commentary to some of us preachers one day about this verse. Give, you know, uh, will. It's a it's a it's a it's an act of the will. Uh, give. That means we 
we willingly do it, you know, ourselves. And he went through this whole, he always does it. It's always convicting. I don't know why he always has to be a thorn in the flesh. But, but uh, you know, it, it, but it says here, we will give ourselves continually to prayer in the ministry of the word. Paul had something to say about that. When he wrote to the church of Thessalonica, he said, that he said, pray for me that the word of the Lord may have free course. So, you know, these people continue in prayer, and the disciples and the apostles saw the importance of being steadfast in prayer. Again, when Peter was in prison, there was prayer made, an all-night prayer meeting for him. Uh, Ephesians 6.18, of course, uh, Paul tells us that we need to be in prayer and supplications. Uh, and, and, of course, the Bible tells us even in the Old Testament, Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And Daniel made his prayer. Daniel 6, 10 tells us that he would pray three times a day, looking out his window toward Jerusalem. Oh, we need to be continuing in prayer. But our churches, for the most part today, are activity-oriented. I read a couple books on pastoring and preaching, and one of the things that he's written around the turn of the century, uh, not, not, not the turn of this last century, not 20 years ago or 17 years ago, 117 years ago, around the early 1900s, and both of them talk about how the pastor is becoming a they didn't use the word, but a CEO, just a just an overseer of a administration, and not spending time in prayer and in the Word, and it, and how it will affect the ministry and change the pulpit. And he said that they, both of them said the pulpit will become shallow. What do we see in our country today? A lot of shallow preaching. There's not the exposition of the Word of God. That takes time. That takes work. Uh, Pastor Webb said one of the things he always tried to do was labor in the word. That's, again, that's challenging as well. So, but, but we need to be continue in prayer. Uh, the, average, the average midweek service prayer meeting, they call it, is, where are the young people? Well, they're in some activity somewhere. They're not learning how to pray. After all, prayer is not fun. Prayer is not fun. It's work. It's work. Uh, it requires faith. You know, and Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? You see, it requires faith. It, it's, you know, it's faith in God. You know, it is God that saves souls. So should we take that to God? So he moved. It's God that moves that convicts. You know, we're just messengers. So prayer, we need to continue in prayer. Secondly, we need to watch in prayer. Paul said that not only to continue in prayer, but they also to watch in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. This speaks of alertness or vigilant. Uh, in Matthew 26, 41, when uh, Jesus is in the garden with his disciples, he said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. John Bunyan said this, quote, Prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease 
from prayer, unquote. You know, we need to watch in prayer. You know, we need to, we need to have alertness. We need to, to guard our prayer life and be alert in our prayer life. Are we being effective? Or are we just saying words? Or is it just something we do every day? You know, the Bible talks about it in Matthew chapter 6, how he said, don't be like the Pharisees which pray long prayers, that they may be seen of men. I think it was Spurgeon that said that let your public prayers be short and your private prayers be long. But, you know, the Pharisees, they'd pray long prayers, standing on the street corners. What did they be seen of men? Or, or people will recite long prayers or just go through the motions. No, we have to guard it. Prayer should not be is not just asking God to fix things for us. But should be an avenue for Him to commune with us to fix us. I remember one fellow said one time that, uh, you know, oftentimes God allows us to go into us to go through trials and we often are repulsed at the trials, and we want to straighten out the cause of the trials, but the trials are there to help us. They're there to help us. You may never straighten out the cause. You know, some people, you know, sometimes there's people that just rub you the wrong way. It's, it's, what's really irritating is when it's family. I'm sure you all have family that just rubs you the wrong way. But, you know, you have to come to the conclusion that you learn how to deal with them and not let them cause you to do what's wrong or upset you or offend you. You know, uh, so... Prayer, it's not just asking God to fix things for us, but an avenue for him to commune with us to fix us. You know, Jesus, Jesus you know, he never reacted to what people did. He responded. Uh, somebody said this also, quote, if prayer will help me out of trouble, it will surely help me to keep out of trouble. You know, it's a good way to prevent getting into trouble. It's, it is also, prayer is not a substitute for duty. It's not asking God to run errands. True prayer should be a way of life, not just in a case of emergency. Again, Daniel is a good example of that. You know, he, he just continued to do what he always did. What he did faithfully every day. And he guarded that. There was nothing that came between him and his time with the Lord. Uh he always had that time for the Lord. So he watched his prayer life. Uh, we need to be thirdly specific in our prayer. Notice verse 3 says, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I am also in bonds. Now, Paul mentions several things here uh, about him that they, he wanted them to pray specifically for. You know, number one, to open a door of utterance. And then he says, uh, and also, he speaks of his bonds. Um, now, he didn't specifically say, pray that I be 
delivered from this bonds, but you know, that's kind of assumed that he would ask to, so that he could be free to preach the gospel. Uh, so, so he's asking that for wisdom and opportunities to preach the gospel. Um, and so we need to be specific in our prayer life. We need to, we need to have a, a list of people. You know, sometimes, I don't know, you know, I, I, I've got, had, have to kind of guard myself in this. You know, I can get so general. You know, just pray for the missionaries. Well, how's that helpful? Well, it doesn't help a whole lot. I need to read their prayer letters so you know who they're praying for, who, who to pray for in those prayer letters. Um, and, uh, and, and so, so we need to be specific in our prayer. Um, we should have people that we're praying for. You know, I was, one of the things that, that uh, um, well, I'll get that a little later, but, but, you know, Elijah prayed specifically that it would not rain, and it rained not for three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain. Of course, this drought was God's judgment upon, upon the nation and their leaders. So there needs to be, we need to be specific in our prayer. Um, and he said to intercede, we need to intercede in prayer. He said, you need to intercede for us. Um, you know, several things we, that, that they need to intercede for Paul, for, for the power of Christ and the protection of Christ. You know, go to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul continually asked the churches to pray for him. Of course, here he said that, that they would open a door of utterance and uh, speaks of his bonds. And then Second Thessalonians 3, verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, that we will be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. So again, he asked for the, for the word of God, for the power of God, for the word of God to go forth, uh, so that the gospel could be preached freely and, and it would have the power of the Spirit of God to affect men. Uh, and then he also asked for protection. He said, after all, we need to be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. In Second Corinthians chapter 1, he speaks of uh, a time when he said their prayers helped him and he write to the church of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we desired even of life, despaired even of life, I'm sorry. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now, we don't really know what the sentence of death was. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, he talks about fighting with beasts at Ephesus. And some believe that maybe he was in the arena. But there's no other mention of anything like that, nor is there any mention of anything like that in the book of Acts, which would have been during this time. However, 
You remember at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, there was an uproar made of uh, Demetrius and the silversmiths. And, and they, you know, these people shouted for, was it three hours, I think. They didn't know what they were shouting for. They didn't know what the, all the tumult was about. They just were shouting. They were just hollering. They were just, you know, it was just a riot. They were just like uncontrolled beasts. And the brethren sent Paul away for his life. Uh, that's, that's what I think he was referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. But it's neat, you know, don't know for sure. But, but uh, he, he said, you need to pray for our protection. Pray for our protection. Um. Uh, you know, the most beneficial thing you can do for your pastor is pray. Pray. Um, Paul said in 1, Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians 5.25, Brethren, pray for us. Uh, in uh, Ephesians 6, he says, in, in verses uh, uh, 18 and 19, again he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, pray for me that I have boldness. You you go into a hospital, need boldness. Uh, And when you're out in visitation, you need boldness. So pray for boldness uh, to speak the word of the Lord. And of course, uh, wisdom, and, and of course, in wisdom in preaching the, the word of God, uh, that utterance. And uh, so, so pray, intercede. In we need to intercede in prayer for others. We also need, as he says, wisdom in prayer. In Colossians chapter four again, and verse uh, five, he says, "Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, redeeming the time." Now, we need to ask God for wisdom in our prayers. Wisdom toward those that are without. Ephesians 5, in verse 15, Ephesians 5, 15, it says, See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Uh, and then also in, in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12, he talks about our conduct around to those that are without. He uses this phrase several times. But as touching brotherly love, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, you need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more that you study to be quiet, to do your own business, and work with your own hands as we command you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. So, you know, he's telling them here that they need to love one another, and they need to, to work, you know, study, to be quiet, you know, put effort to minding your own business, not being a busybody, you know, uh, other people's business, to work with our own hands, to earn our own living, as, as he said, we command you, so that you can be have an honest report to those that are without. You know, one of the things I was 
reading. I was reading a book to, one of the one of those books today, and uh, there was a chapter on um, uh, the preacher, uh, a man of affairs, not marital affairs, the affairs of this of the world, you know, and and he was saying that one of the criticisms that business people. He was reading this in an, artic, in an article in a in a magazine. Business people and sports people say that that pastors or preachers, and I'm trying to remember, um, Molly Cottle, I think is the word, terminology he used to, that they called them. In other words, they were kind of wimpish. They weren't real men. You know, not to be. We, need, we as Christians, and you know, people have this idea, many, many people in the world have this idea that we Christians are just passive guess they haven't been to our church when we had our coats off, have they, guys? <laughs> you know. But they, they, they have the idea that sometimes that we Christians are all just weak, need, weak need guys that, and people that need a crutch to lean on and can't, and can't take care of ourselves, you know. No, that, that's not the case. Uh, now we need to have an honest report, honest walk. Honestly, we we had a we need to show to the world that we can, we do earn our own way, we can control our children. You know, isn't it amazing? You know, some of these guys that think they're such tough guys, but their kids run wild. Can't even control their own kids. Um, you know that that in itself is is a great testimony. Which cannot be denied. Uh, so, so, but we need to we need to show the world that yes, we 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 do own our own way. We can provide for ourselves. We're not, you know, letting everybody run over us. No, we don't spread the gospel through warfare or anything like that, like Islam does. We're not bullies. We're not pushovers either. We are men and women with grit and character. Um, and, you know, the world, the world watches us. You know, Paul talked about the church at Corinth, and he said, Ye are our epistle, known and read of all men. The world watches us, and they watch us for two reasons. Number one, see if you're real. Okay, what's going to happen when your church has problems? You're just going to spoodoodle to the next place down the road, or you know, or are you going to just quit? You going to weather the storms of life? Are you real? Can you really weather the storms of life? Can you handle the 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 trials that everyone else faces in life? Are you real? And they'll watch you for a second reason. That is to discredit your God. To look for some reason to discredit the Lord in your life. You know, that's what, that's what Satan was seeking when he went against Job. He's looking for a reason to discredit. So we need to walk in wisdom toward those that are without. Uh, we need to have wisdom for the use of our time. Uh, notice again, uh, verse 5 says, we're to walk in wisdom toward them without. In Ephesians 5.16, verse, verse 15, talked about... Um, 
walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem there means to buy up, to rescue from loss. And the idea here is to improve our opportunities. To improve our opportunities. You know, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are pilgrims in this world seeking rest, and our rest is, of course, heaven. And, but we ought to be pilgrims seeking the restoration of those that are estranged from their Creator, from God. And so we need to pray for wisdom to use of our, for the use of our time. Time is something we never get back. Once it's gone, it's gone for eternity. We never go back. Yeah. So, pray for wisdom use of our time uh, toward those that are without. We need to pray for wisdom to know what to say. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You know, people will watch you, and they are going to look for answers. They may ask for answers. And we need to know, have wisdom to know what to say and when to say it. You know, our speech, of course, Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and he that loveth us shall eat the fruits thereof. Uh, you know, the tongue can be a, a, a vessel used for blessing, and it can be used for cursing. But our speech can have a purifying effect. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, when I think of salt, seasoning, of course, seasoning uh, can have a sweetening or enhance the flavor of. Uh, you think of, of, of seasoning. But salt also has a a, a preserving and a purifying effect. You know, we would, sometimes when we were doing certain things on the farm, if, if, if an animal got cut, we would rub salt in the wound. I know that burns. But, you know, it's a cow. It's not a human being, so, you know. Um, you know, of course, I've rubbed uh, um, <laughs> cayenne pepper in my wounds, right? Boy, that makes it heal quick. It also makes it burn. But, uh, you know, it's a purifying effect. But salt also preserves. When we, when we would butcher, we would, we would uh, 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 you know, rub salt into meat to preserve it, to keep it. And so we need to know what to say. And how to say it. And when to speak and when not to speak. You know, Jesus didn't always answer every person. When he was sent to Herod in Luke chapter 23, and Herod questioned him with many words, and he answered him, not. Because Jesus also said, cast not your pearls before swine, and Herod was a swine. Herod was a swine. But when he was on the cross and the thieves started, started saying things about him and one of them you know, said, you know, thou sayest son of God, you, know, you could deliver us. And the other said, hey, we're here justly. He's done nothing amiss. 
he said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You see, we need to know what to say and when to say it. And so the challenge to us tonight is to Lighthouse Baptist Church. We need to be a church, a praying church. Like the first church that prayed continually. And Paul, Paul continued this in his ministry in Acts chapter 16 and verse 13. He's um, at Philippi. And it says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. In other words, this is where they were endeavoring to gather to spend some time in prayer. And he says, We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted hither. And of course, then they, the, uh, Lydia was the first con- convert there in that city of Thyatira. But, yeah, so this is a challenge to us. To, to be a church that prays, that unites together in prayer. Uh, not only corporately, but when we go home in our homes. You know, I was, been, I was telling the deacons this last or Tuesday night. You know, I'm a little discouraged with people not going through Bible studies. Say they're interested. You call them, they're not interested. And Lord, what do we do? And the Lord's, you know, something came to my mind. I think the Lord brought that. You know, there are some people that are family members of people right in your church that you really need to go after. You know, we need to go after them, first of all, through our prayers. I mean, I made a list. I hope you make a list. There's, you know, and I don't know if all these, maybe not unsaved, but they're not in church. Yeah, Ashley's mom. Ashley's brother. Uh, Evelyn Nelson, Mrs. Brock's sister. And, of course, uh, our son Paul, he's not saved. He lives in Texas, but, you know, anyway... Kayla, you know, these are people we need to collectively pray for and then endeavor to talk to them about their need. Howard's mom and dad, Clifton and Judy Hoyle. You know, I think some of these people are saved, but they're not right with the Lord. They're not right with the Lord. And so we, as a church need to seek to go after these people, uh, to put to pray for them, and then seek to reach them with the gospel. Well, I'm not saying we need to quit going to visitation. No, we need to continue to do that too. How else are we going to reach or give the gospel to every creature? You know, the, 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 the uh, uh, reward or the harvest, the reaping of the harvest is not really up to us. We don't save the soul. We're just to give out the message. But we need to give it out out of a heart 
that's praying for those whom we are endeavoring to do it to. So might God help us to continue in prayer, to continue in prayer and watch in the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity to be in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement and the challenge we find in it. Lord, I pray you help us as a church to really seek your face, to be people of prayer, to be effectual and fervent in it. Lord, that we would see you work in and through us in reaching others with the gospel. Seeing them get right with the Lord and seeing some of them get and see the others get saved. So, Lord, just work, manifest yourself, and might we be encouraged and challenged. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.